Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. In today's interview, we are talking to Ian Fennelly. Ian is an urban sketcher who paints and sells his amazing sketches. His work mainly features buildings and street scenes, which are painted with vibrant colours, which complement his lively line work. Not only is Ian a fantastic painter, he is also very entertaining and had some really interesting stories, which he shares in the podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, well, well I want to go back to the beginning. Okay. Um, so I would like to know, when did your love for drawing first begin? Okay, um, probably, probably, I mean, I can't think of a specific time, but if I go right back to when I was like a baby artist, when I was kind of in school, um, it was it was the thing that I was always good at. I was always better at drawing than I was at kind of anything else. Um, so I think that's where the love develops because you get a lot of confidence from people saying, you know, you're, you're good at this. And, and so I think that's how it, how it kind of nurtures itself because, you know, as a child, you're starting to get an awful lot of satisfaction from, from, from doing it. Um, but my earliest recollections is just, you know, copying things, copying cartoons, copying uh, record sleeves, copying logos, doing a lot of kind of like calligraphy things. Um, so I think that's how it, it developed and, and the love just came from I suppose my perception was that I was I was kind of good at it and, and other people thought I was good so it's like a kind of fulfilling prophecy isn't it that the more the more you do the better you become and the more people say you know you are on the right kind of the right kind of tracks um so I think the love has, has been there for a, a long long time but I, I I probably love it more now than than I've ever done and I'm I'm, I'm probably I wouldn't say I'm doing more now. I'm probably I'm probably actually doing less. But I think when I when I what I do now, I put everything into it. You know, it gets every kind of urban sketch, every drawing, every painting, gets a hundred percent. So I think the love developed a long, long time ago, and it's it's still there. And I, I think I'd like to think that comes out in in the work that I do as well. That you know, there is a huge amount of passion for for what I create. I was going to say, actually, yes, I, I think that's definitely the case with your drawings. You can tell that you love doing it. The enjoyment's all over the page. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a very, it's, I think it's a very indulgent way of working. And, and yeah. when people come on my workshops and, and demonstrations, they, they kind of see how I, I just bounce around the page, bounce around the picture, mm. you know, picking up pens and brushes and playing around with colour all the time. And it, and it is just, it's playing it's like giving every picture, you know, everything you've got, throwing everything at it and just getting as much joy and excitement out of it. It's a real kind of creative journey, you know, for me still. I mean, I've been doing it for, <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time, but I'm still making it all up as I go along. <laughs> well, you said excitement and excitement is exactly the way I would have put when I've seen your work. It's so different to other people's work, I think, I've seen. But, you know, I, I don't know why, because to me it's the most natural way of drawing. I mean, I don't force a style on on what I do. It's just, 
it's just how I how I create things. It's, it's kind of how I see stuff as well. You know, I think it goes right back to you, to, to your vision and how you see the world around you. And, and that's kind of how I see things. I just see those sorts of colours and shapes and, and angles and textures and details and stuff. And so to me, I guess I kind of think, well, why doesn't everybody just draw and paint like me? Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's the most obvious way of doing it. Um, so, yeah. Wouldn't be very good for you, though. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. And there's plenty of people out there who, who do kind of copy what I do. Yeah, there's a, there's, yeah. A, there's a few people that have been on my workshops recently, and um, they, they, they've obviously picked up every single tip I've thrown at them, and so they're quite happily working away now and just using every every single tip tip or or trick or <laughs> or thing that I, and there's one there's one person in particular who, who has revisited lots of the locations that i've been on in the last year and has actually sat in the same position and oh, just no. drawn exactly the same view of amsterdam <laughs> and edinburgh and oxford and and if he's listening to this now he'll know exactly who he is <laughs> do, do you find that frustrating or, do, or would you prefer them to just take what you tell them and to kind of um bring it to their own work somehow it, it doesn't it doesn't because there's there's people out there who um have, have obviously been inspired by me and have picked up loads and loads of tips and tricks and and, and you know, use a lot of the materials that I use, and, and perhaps choose similar compositions to me, and and that's great because that's that's me teaching and helping and supporting them, and I, I, I really don't mind that. I think it's when it's when people um, don't recognise that they don't mention that they've been on one of your workshops, or they don't acknowledge it, or you know they just put stuff out on social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, and there's absolutely no mention that they've been on one of my workshops, um, and that's when it kind of can be a little bit frustrating. I mean, I don't get upset about it, but you know, you just think, well, it would have been nice to say, you know, you have just done four workshops with Ian Family, and this is why you're using all the brush pens and the fine liners, and that's why you've chosen to, you know, you've chosen that particular view because you've seen me do it. You've actually stood, stood there and watched me do it for three hours, and then the next day you've gone back and you've drawn it from exactly the same view, but there's absolutely no mention. So it's a bit frustrating, yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Because, you know, I mean, I've, I've, when, when I was a, a student, you know, I, I would have been inspired by, by lots of kind of artists from, from, from the past and, and, you know, picked up their ideas and their tips and studied them and all this kind of thing. And, and that's what, you know, the visual world is all about, isn't it? It's all about helping and supporting. And so it's going to happen. And, and you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. It's just something that, you know, you can be a bit frustrated by if they don't kind of acknowledge that you've, they've, they've been on a, a workshop with you. Yeah. So you mentioned like learning <clears throat> from different people when you know you were at school mm. and college. So mm. I take it you did go to the traditional route and go mm. to art college. Yeah. So so I went down to London um, when I was eighteen. I went down to Wimbledon School of Arts and did a, a fine arts degree down there. Um, and, and I've kind of been painting the same picture ever since. I I um, my my pictures, with a few exceptions, are all kind of about me trying to orientate myself in a, in a busy space. So it's all about me coming to terms with all the shapes and patterns and colours and energy that, that surround me. That's kind of essentially what I do in every picture. If it's a cityscape, I mean, if it's like, if it's not a cityscape, it's a bit different, but but normally it's, it's me in a, a really busy space. So when I went down to London, um, that's, what, that's what kind of inspired me, just being in London and wanting to work out what was around the corner, what was across that bridge, you know what was through that alleyway so that's why i make art i make art as a way of 
understanding the space that I'm in. And that's, that permeates throughout every every urban sketch that I do and every urban sketch that I teach. Um, so that that was that was really that was really um, significant for me when I was a lot younger, going to art college and finding other artists that didn't quite do the same thing but did similar similar sort of things. But I, I tell you a quick little story. When I was when I was at college, I um, in my first year at Wimbledon, we had lots of visiting tutors who came came along, and one of them was this American guy. I can't, I can't remember his well, I can remember his name, but I won't mention it. And uh, he was an abstract expressionist. He did these massive, massive, big abstract pictures, and we're all like completely enthralled by him because he he'd had a big sellout show in New York, and we got him into Wimbledon to talk to us, and we're all like dead excited. And I was kind of like quite into abstract art at the time, and I could have gone either way. But he turned up, and he was pissed. And he turned up, he was drunk. <laughs> and um, and so we had a load of questions for him. And one of the questions was 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 why do you you know why do you paint these kind of pictures? And his answer was um, because it makes me lots of money. So and, and and then a student wanted to push him even further. And said, well, you know, why did you choose those colours? And he was so blasé about it all, and it purely was a money-making thing for him. There was no substance to it. There was there was no there was no meaning. There was no personal reference. It was just purely a way of, of making money. I kind of completely shattered my my kind of oh. my whole illusion of, of possibly going down that route. Um, yeah. And I and I think that the significant thing was that sometimes you, you kind of you learn things from seeing what you don't want to do, don't you? You know, it's it's seen yeah. the opposite. Somebody presents themselves, and you think that's not what I want to do, and that that really reaffirmed that I just wanted to go down the representational, you know, figurative figurative route. And I'll never forget that story. It happened in my first year of college, and and I, I can't I can't mention the guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if if you were when you were at college, were you drawing outside still were you going outside to do yeah, scenes or i was but mostly inside because we weren't really encouraged at college to be outside because the tutors you know couldn't quite had to keep tabs on us so i used to go off to places like um, brixton and, and wandsworth and you know some of the kind of suburbs where there was lots of you know street stuff going on and draw but then we were kind of forced to come back into the studio and work from the drawings and do much bigger you know bigger pictures which which was great because it was it was a learning thing and the tutors wanted to be around, you know, so they could kind of guide you and, and, and tell you, you know, what you were doing wrong. Um, so so a lot of my work was, was started outside, like sketches and references and things like that. Um, but the actual pieces themselves were developed kind of in the studio um, where everybody else was. Um, but going back to what I said before, the, the actual inspiration of, of being in a city, uh, that all kind of started when I was really young. That started when I was at college or even younger. So in that sense, I think I'm really lucky that I found my subject at a very, very early age. And I've just been able to play with it ever since. So your style then, you kind of already knew it. You kind of haven't changed much, I presume, since then, apart from maybe improving. But so yeah. how, my next question really was mm. going to be, how did your art develop from there? But has it? Yeah, it, yeah, it has massively. I mean, there's, there's things I can do now that I couldn't do when I grew mm. I mean probably everything I do now I couldn't have done when I was a student um so when I, when I was a student um you can you can see you can see the world around you you can see you can see the shapes you can see the colors you can see you know you can see a doorway you can see a crack but you don't notice it in quite the same way 
because you haven't got that kind of experience to draw upon. So <clears throat> when I go somewhere now, so like next week I'm going to Slovenia and I'm doing a load of workshops in Ljubljana, which is the capital. So when I get there, and, and this is based on, you know, 30 years experience, when I get there, I will see pictures as soon as I arrive. I'll walk into the piazza, the square, and I will see pictures. I'll paint pictures in my head. I'll have painted a dozen pictures the minute I step into that square. And I couldn't have done that years ago because all the pictures I paint in my head now are based on all the thousands of pictures that I painted over the years. So that kind of visual, like, ability, if you like, is just based on experience. You can't, you can't teach it. You just have to have done thousands of pictures. You have to have spent years with a pen in your hand. You have to have a grasp of shape, composition, texture. You have to understand the process that you're going through. And it but just you have to have that vision first then. You have to have that, saying, isn't it? that vision first of all, and then all the skills come along, you know, after that really. So, so yeah, I, I was kind of painting the same picture in the sense it was based on an urban cityscape. It was based on um, being in a, in a busy place but I didn't have the vision to actually create create the, the images that I'm creating now. Um, I, I, I wanted to, but I didn't, I couldn't see it. It just wasn't there. And I think that, that applies to any artist that, you know, there's things that, looking back, there's things that you, you, you can see, you can see kind of turning points in your career. You can see where certain things came along and everything just fell into place. So for, so for me, for example, it was, um, moving away from oil paints and going into watercolour. So for years and years and years, I painted in oil. And then as soon as I started on watercolour, it just suddenly liberated everything. It made everything more immediate and quicker. And, and it kind of meant I could work outside and I could then start incorporating the pen work as well. So it really freed me up. Um, and then obviously along that way, you then start seeing other, other artists, you know, you, uh, the urban sketching movement that came along 10 years ago, and you see that there's like actually tens of thousands of people around the world that are kind of trying to do the same thing that you're doing. And that's like a real inspiring thing. So that kind of moves you forward. And then with things like social media, where you've got this, this platform for exhibiting your work and you get loads of lovely feedback, again, that spurs you on as well. Um, so all those little things when you track back are all, you know, quite important things to help you arrive at the point, I suppose, where you are, where you are now. So back when you were painting, say, in oils or watercolour, were you selling your work? Were you working professionally mm. as an artist as well? Mm. Yeah, I've always, <clears throat> I've always been really fortunate um, in that when I was at college, I started selling and then when I left college, I've always been involved with galleries and, and agents and publishers. So I've always been quite kind of commercially switched on and I've always been able to, you know, sell what I do. I kind of sell enough. I don't sell, I sell everything I want to sell. Um, but obviously when I'm running workshops and things like that, I try and keep a lot of stuff with me so I can show people examples. But yeah, everything, everything I want to sell, I do sell. And um, yeah, I've got, I've gone, I've gone, I've had quite a long commercial career, um, and I've had lots of agents and publishers and um, galleries all over the country, and there's lots of galleries abroad now that sell my stuff. Um, so in, in that sense, I've, I've been, I suppose, I've been really fortunate, you know, being in the right place at the right time, and and just having lots of good people around me, you know, to to support me. And I think as an artist, you, you need that. 
So would you mind um, sharing with us a little bit of your process, your, your urban sketching process? Do you, do you go straight in with a pen, for example? It, it kind of varies, really. So if, if, for example, I'm running a workshop, I have, a, I have quite a specific process that I teach, although it, it, it can vary. It can vary massively depending on the subject. But um, what, we, what we try and start off with is, is we, we, we look at the big shapes. So if you turn up on a location and, and let's say, for example, let's say, for example, you're in Trafalgar Square and you're looking at all the, the buildings around you. You just try and simplify those buildings into into rectangles and squares and lines. So the first thing I would I would probably do with the students is, is, is say, look, you know, let's just really simplify this. Let's get it on the page and let's think of the relationship between those shapes and the page, which is all about composition. And we'll use brush pens to do that. So brush pens are like felt tip pens, but they've got like a brushy, brushy tip. Mm. Um, and then once we've done that, we'll then go inside those shapes, we'll populate those shapes with another layer of detail. So that rectangle might turn into a building, so you start putting the facade in. And then we'll put paint on. And then we'll, once the paint's dry, we'll then go in a bit deeper with, with more, more layers of, of of detail but every every stage is linked to looking so looking so first of all you look at the big shapes then you look at the medium shapes then you notice the color which brings in the emotional side and then you start looking at the patterns and the textures and it's a kind of like a three a three hour journey of looking so you go from the big shapes and then through that layering process you go right down to the cracks in the pavements and the chewing gum on the floor and the dog poo in the grid and, it takes, <laughs> and seriously, it'd be te- I mean, some of the places I've been to, you wouldn't believe how much dog poo there is. Um, but it's, 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 it's going from that massive, massive, big shape, that big structure in order to get it on your page. And, and do you include that, the do you include the dog poo? Oh, yeah. If you look at some of my pictures on Instagram or on Facebook and you look really closely, you'll see so much dog poo and you'll see cigarette, you'll see cigarette butts as well. And you'll see you'll see all sorts of little things that you notice. And one of the things I try and teach when I'm doing these workshops is how um, urban sketching, unlike working in the studio, it's it's really good. I think it's good for the soul and it's good for mental well-being and it's good for mindfulness because it it helps you to notice things and noticing the little details are really good for you because it stops you it stops you from looking at a screen it stops you from walking past something it actually makes you stop and really see and really notice stuff which I think is really good for you and, and that's what I really encourage so basically my workshop is a process of going step by step by step till ultimately you can start noticing things, you can start seeing things. And it might just be a cat in the window or the pattern of a curtain in a window, or it, you know, it could be a drain pipe, or it could be a bit of graffiti. Um, it could be anything, anything at all that you don't see at first. But the process of, of I take people through allows you, enables you to see these things. And I think that's a really cool thing to do. Yeah, I'm not sure about the meditational pro- thing about looking at dog poo. Totally. <laughs> You'd be surprised how beautiful you can make dog poo. You can just turn it into a little brown shape, you see. And if there's lots of them, then it becomes a pattern. I'll show you. I'll show you a picture sometime. 
which uh, is four. And maybe, <laughs> maybe we could have it for our show notes. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, we can do that, yeah. yeah. Now, now, you mentioned that it's uh, three hours of sort of looking and, and layering. Now, I, a lot of people imagine urban sketching to be kind of going out there and creating these really fast sketches on mm. location, which a lot of urban sketchers do. Mm. But oh, clearly you're, you, you take a lot longer than that. So do you in general, if you're not on a workshop, but on your own mm. do you normally complete them in one sitting or do you, do you take them back to the studio and fiddle around in there how, how long sort of does it take um, well if, if i go out by myself which which i kind of don't often do now because most of the time i go out i've always got some people maybe coming along you know with me to watch uh, or it's a workshop but if i do go by myself it won't take me three hours it would take it would probably take me just over two maybe just right. maybe two maybe two hours um that's if i don't stop um, but I would go through a kind of similar process to what I've just described, um, but the process is there to help you. So sometimes you might jump from one thing to another or go backwards and forwards. It just depends what, what the image um, necessarily needs. Um, but yeah, it, 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 would, it would take me a while because I, I kind of don't do quick sketches. I, I, used to, I used to do quick sketches years ago. And this is how, this is how the urban sketching thing started for me because for years and years I was always taking my little sketchbooks on holiday with me. So we'd you know we'd go to Ibiza or we'd go to Mallorca or we'd do a city break around you know Europe somewhere. And I'd always take my sketchbook and I'd just sit down for 10-15 minutes and I'd draw. But while while I was drawing, I mean running you know parallel with all these holidays, I was working in the studio and and painting pictures in the studio. Um, but the two never really kind of, I never thought of the two as coming together because one was just me on holiday, chilling out, doing quick sketches. And the other was me in the studio making money. And it was only about like six, seven years ago that I realized that maybe I should just combine the two together and just start drawing and painting outside. Cause I had, I had kind of the background. I knew how to paint and I knew how to draw, but I'd never really fused the two together. And then when I did, it was just like a real light bulb moment. It was like, wow this is great. I'm, I can do this. And everybody loved me doing it. Um, so my, my kind of regular commission work that I was doing for galleries suddenly changed because they all then wanted me to use all the pen work as well as the watercolour. Um, and then it just kind of naturally evolved from that. And then obviously, obviously I started running the workshops as part of the symposium and getting commissioned to, to do um, workshops uh, kind of all over the world. And it's just kind of evolved from that. So the quick sketches um, have kind of gone by the by um, because I don't do quick sketches anymore. I mean, some people do. And I, I do kind of sometimes do a quick sketch. If I'm doing a workshop, what I might do is, is do a really quick little two-minute sketch just to show people the composition. But then obviously we start the workshop and my work ends up, ends up taking, you know, as long as everybody else's. But everybody on the workshop that comes on one of my workshops, their work takes just as long because I, I, I force them to, to notice stuff. <laughs> so you can't stop Evil. until you spot the chewing gum on the floor. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, you're, when you're painting in the studio versus yeah. when you're painting outside, do you use exactly the same process? No, no, no. There's, there's, <clears throat> when I'm in the studio, which is I'm in the studio at the moment, um, surrounded by all my, all my stuff, when I'm in the studio... I, I obviously have to work from photographs um, and I, I tend to, I still do a lot of just watercolour paintings, but I don't really post them on social media. So, 
you can find them but you'd have to kind of go digging for them um, but they're just watercolors and they're on very very heavily textured paper they're all cityscape still and you would you could tell it's my work but it's just got no pen work in so i still do those and, I, and, and that's like part of my kind of business because i supply lots of galleries and, and agents you know all over all over the country with, with them but then i also do the stuff that most people know me by now which is the the pen work and, and the watercolor work as well so i still do a huge amount of of that um so the two are kind of running parallel i suppose but one 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 is more commercial and obviously doesn't get shown much on social media so do you prefer the brush uh, you know using the brush pens or would you rather go straight watercolor I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to do the work that you know me for, the, the right. urban sketches with the brush yeah. pens and the fine liners, um, because it just it just feels more natural for me. It's it's just the way I I naturally want to work. It's 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 how I see the world. I see the world in in terms of lines and patterns and textures, and you can't achieve that just with paint. You know, you need those fine lines and. You know, I, I love I love the, the dark, the, the dark tone, which gives everything a bit of a lift and all the grey tones as well, which calms everything down. So I think the tools that I'm using at the moment are just absolutely perfect for the way in which I want to kind of express the world around me. Yeah. I've got a question here from Shelley Marlowe and she wanted to know, do you have any tips for how to start drawing buildings for a beginner? OK, Um I suppose it depends on how much of a beginner you are, but if you're going to work from a photograph, which I think is so much harder than working outside, you have to kind of forget what the building is and just kind of simplify it into geometric shapes. So, for example, most most buildings, if it's a front facade, it's going to be a square or a rectangle. So just look at the outside, look at the outline and just get that on the page and then look deeper into the picture. And, and kind of look at the look at the windows, look at the shape of the windows, um, work out the proportion, the scale of everything, um, and then go deeper inside again and look at the patterns and the textures and the brickwork and the tiles and the drain pipes, and then look deeper again and just notice, you know, can you see any 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 cracks, any shading, any any texture? Um, it's 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 really a question of just looking and and layering. Um, but starting off very, 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 very simply. But if, if that's working from a photograph, if you're actually on location and you're experiencing it, it's totally different. And it's so much easier to teach on location because when you're on location, you actually occupy the same three dimensional space as what you're recording. So you can walk into the scene. So you're actually recording your experience and you're recording time as well so it's so much easier for me to teach somebody how to draw a building if they're standing next to me and the building's in front of us because what happens with a photograph is the photographs gives you everything all at once it's like reading a book and you're trying to read every single page all at once rather than starting you know from the first sentence on the first page and I, and I think it's it's so difficult when people work from photographs they get intimidated by photographs photographs do an awful lot of damage I think to, to people that's really interesting because yeah. I think a lot of people would say, would assume it would be easier to draw from a photograph 
and you're you saying see, it is not. So that's I, interesting. I think a lot of people would say that if they've never been outside and tried to draw on a location. Because a yeah. lot of people, you're absolutely right, a lot of people do assume it's harder being outside. But if you've done a lot of both, and I've done a lot of both, but I've probably done more outside, I, I've come to the conclusion that it's so much easier to be outside because you're in the scene. When you're outside, you're actually in the scene and you're, you're drawing or you're, well, you're not drawing, but you're, you're recording your experience of being there. So you can be a lot more selective in what goes in and what goes out and not worry about it because you've got no reference points. But if you're looking at a photograph, which is just a piece of technology, you know, you can be quite intimidated by that because you think, well, that's what the scene really should look like. So I've got to get the lines right. I've got to get the perspective right. I've got to get all this kind of stuff in. And a lot of the stuff that's in there is absolute crap anyway. You know, it could be it could be like, um, you know, a lorry that's just rocked up, which is like really ugly. But if you're there on location, that lorry's going to move, isn't it? That lorry's not going to be there for three hours. Well, at least you hope it's not. So it's going to eventually, it's going to eventually move. So you draw through things, you draw past things. You draw behind things. You know, you can really use your imagination in a way that you can't when you've got a photograph in front of you. Photos actually distort sometimes as well the perspective anyway, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do, because a lot of the lines in perspective are... are um, well, a, a, lot, a, lot of the, a lot of the lines in, in a photograph in terms of the perspective run parallel with the edge of the photograph, which mm. when in, in reality it doesn't, they don't look like that. You don't see it that way. It's 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 totally different, and that's one of the things that I try and teach people. Because um, when people talk about my vertical lines, they all tend to kind of spray away, and people say, you know, why 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 are the lines not straight? I said, well, they're not straight because you don't see them straight. They might be straight if you took a photograph of them, because that's how the the camera can contorts everything. But in reality, you don't see them as straight lines because they're actually moving away from you. And it's 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 hard team. it's hard to explain that unless you're actually there. Mm. But sometimes what I do is I I walk into the scene and I point to a, a vertical line and let's go back to the old example of a drain pipe, which I mentioned before. But a drain pipe, if it's if it's over to your left, if it was a photograph of that drain pipe, it probably would run parallel with the edge of the photograph, so it, it would go per- perfectly vertical. But in reality, when you see it, it would actually go from the right but as it goes up it would move further over to the left and and that's mm. how you actually perceive it in reality but you can't you, you can't explain that unless you're there and you can walk yeah. in and you can touch the drain pipe and you can put your hand up the drain pipe and then as it goes up it will move over to the left not in reality well it depends where you are you know, if some drain pipes, <laughs> some drain pipes are a bit crooked, but actually, in reality, as you look at it, it will actually move over to the left-hand side, and that's why my lines in my pictures are—they look slightly distorted, but they're not. That's kind of how how it is. I wanted to ask about exaggeration. Do you, do you encourage people to exaggerate in drawings, or are you going for truth? Wow! Oh my God, that is a huge question. What is truth? What is truth? Blimey. You see, truth comes back to the photograph, doesn't it? Because people would say, if you're working from a photograph, the photograph is truth, but it's not. Because in a photograph, time has completely stood still. It's a snapshot. Time is not moving forward. But if you're working on location for three hours, the truth is 
that you're living and breathing in that space for three hours. So in that time, your truth, if you, if you want to call it that, is going to change because you're going to start off when you get there and you're probably going to be a little bit nervous and you might feel a little bit cold. But gradually, the sun might come out, you might warm up, you might feel a bit more confidence, you might have more people around you, somebody might come along and say, oh my God, that drawing is amazing, are you an artist? Oh, that's fantastic. And suddenly you feel good about yourself, so your confidence starts to grow, and then you start seeing things, you start seeing more things. You know, you start seeing colours and shapes that you didn't notice at first. So the truth of it, is, is, it's not about trying to capture the photographic reproduction. The truth is, is you being on location and being true to what, not just what you're, you're seeing, but what you're, you're feeling and all those experiences that are coming back at you all the time. So you're kind of living and breathing in the moment and that moment goes on for three hours. And in that time, you'll start seeing more things. It's like, it's like my, my, my drawings are a record of me telling a story of me being in that location for three hours or two and a half hours or, you know, however long it might be. And in that time, I'm starting to see so many more things. I'm like unpicking all those layers. So the truth is about me being there for three hours and noticing, noticing stuff, seeing things. So it's almost like a passage of time rather yeah. than just a snapshot that you Ex get. You know, that's, from exactly, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And you can't get that from a photo. You can only yeah. get that from, from being there, which, which is, I think, why it's such a, a magical, brilliant mm. thing to do. I think as well for beginners, I think one of the reasons they don't like to go out and sketch at first is because they're too frightened of people coming up and saying... Oh, that's not very good. Absolutely, <laughs> it, yeah, I would say yeah. the chances of that happening are, are almost nil, but mm. it's still a fear, isn't it? It is. No, you're absolutely right. But you see, that's why the urban sketching groups are so good because mm. there's groups all over the world, as you as you probably know, and they meet at least once once a month. And the Liverpool group, which I'm I'm a member of, we have about. 40 50 members that meet regularly so there's always somebody you know to keep you company because it can be quite intimidating because i think you always assume that somebody's going to come along and they're going to be like an art critic and they're going to maybe you know say something you know really kind of unpleasant about about what you're doing can i tell you a little story yeah, yeah. go for it um it's a true, true story this and this is why i've been sketching on location is so cool because you just don't quite know who you're going to meet but I was <clears throat> I was drawing um, in Liverpool a couple of years ago and I was drawing one of the museums and this this young lad came up to me but I had my headphones on listening to music and I didn't didn't really engage with him I just noticed he was sitting next to me but as, as he was sitting next to me he was absolutely fascinated by what I was doing and every time I leant forward to pick up a different pen he was like just scrutinizing the pens and he was really interested in all the different brushes I was using and he kept leaning forward you know to look at all my colours and everything like that so I'm thinking oh he must be an art student but he was absolutely fascinated by what was going on anyway after about 10 minutes of watching what I was doing and just really really engaged in what was going on he taps me on the shoulder so I took the headphones off and I thought he's gonna ask me like where'd you buy your paints from what brand of paints what brushes you use and blah 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 so I took my headphones off and he turns around and he says to me, what are you doing? <laughs> He'd been watching me for 10 minutes. 
watching every <laughs> single thing I'd done, scrutinising all my brushes, and he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> what was your I, answer to that? I, just, I didn't know what to say. I, honestly, I was completely floored. I thought he was like an art student who was going to say to me, you know, what, what, what brand of paint is that? But he said, what are you doing? And I just didn't, I didn't know what to say. I think I just put my headphones on and carried on listening to Pink Floyd. And I, honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was just incredible. Oh, that's so funny. So, so you, you go out into the big wild world and you're faced with all of these buildings and, yeah. and everything around you. So how do you go about choosing you know a, a composition then because that's mm. the hard part isn't it one mm. you know how how yeah. do i go about getting my composition getting it on the pl- page yeah. and planning it so it all fits okay well there's i think there's a lot of factors you need to take into account and, and one would be you know finding somewhere comfortable to sit so you've got to have a comfortable spot and a lot of people try and choose to sit up against the wall you know so people can't come behind so often that, that has a lot to do with it. And also you know, traffic as well. I mean, some of the best places to draw would be right in the middle of a busy street, but you're not going to last more than two seconds, are you, before a bus comes and kills you? So you have to be kind of mindful of, of kind of safety. Also, you can't... The value always... of your paintings would go up, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, you've got to be careful. You're not sitting outside somebody's shop or you know, just where you're going to get in. I mean, I, I'm always getting in people's way. I often go to Chester. Chester is really busy. It's full of shoppers. And I'm always sitting right in the middle of, of all the shoppers. And they get really annoyed because all they want to do is shop. And they're not interested in, you know, some scruffy artist sitting there drawing a, a building or something. So I'm always getting in people's way. So you have to be mindful that you kind of, you know, you're not going to disturb anybody. Um but as I as I said before, I I'm quite good at painting pictures in my mind, so I'm kind of I'm I'm, I'm kind of used to choosing subjects that I know are going to work for me, and they've got all the kind of elements that I'm I'm looking for. So one of the things that I often teach, what well, I always teach this on on location, is the use of space in your pictures. So you've got to have a lot of space either in the picture or around the picture or both, where the picture can breathe, because some parts of your picture are really excessively populated with with stuff, with detail. So in order for that to work, there's got to be a lot of other areas where you're not doing that much um, to give it a nice balance. So I'm kind of looking for things like that, where there's a lot of space going on. I don't mean like real space you can walk into, but I just mean gaps where there's like nothing that you're going to draw. So that's one kind of key thing. Um, I mean, I love, obviously I love the buildings, but I also love, you know, the cobbles and the cracks and the pavements because mm. I like I like the fact that, that people can potentially walk into one of my pictures. So it's got a really nice kind of surface at the bottom with maybe a few little grids and stuff like that. That always that always works really, really, really well. Um, but also, so when I go when I go somewhere, like, for example, I'm going to New Orleans in November. What I try and do, because I'm, I'm there for about a week, I try and create a whole body of, of urban sketches, which kind of, in some ways, epitomise the city. So I will do all the greatest hits. So I will do the French Quarter, and I and, and I will do Bourbon Street, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll do all the amazing, like colonial architecture. Because what I what I want to try and do is is kind of say something about the place, about me being in this place but also make it quite typical of that place. And the same thing will happen next week when I'm in, you know, Slovenia. And um, 
I've just come back from Italy and we did a tour of Italy. So all the kind of Italian scenes of all the places that we went to, I try and I try and create, if you like, not the greatest hits, but the, the, the places that in some ways represent what I've experienced, what I've seen. You know, so I, I wouldn't do just a completely off the beaten track, ordinary kind of building. It would have to be something that was saying something about about the place. So we did two, the last two workshops I did in Italy were in Pompeii, in the ruins of Pompeii, which was great because that said so much about the place and about the history of the place. And I made sure that we had Mount Vesuvius in the background. Even if it wasn't there, I kind of dragged it about six miles across the horizon to make sure it fitted in with the picture. So it's that kind of thing. And that goes back to what you said before about, you know, exaggeration and using your imagination because you want to make sure you're really expressing something about, about the place. I suppose for you, you needn't take a camera then, really, because, I mean, you can take so much in by uh, by drawing something, more than you can ever take by looking at it and then taking a snapshot and walking away. So presumably you don't have any photo albums, you just have all your drawings. Well, we do no, We do have photo albums because it's nice to photograph the family as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't draw, you don't draw people yeah. really so much. <laughs> well, I do. Funnily enough, I do because I'm glad you asked that question because my pictures are full of people, but you just can't see them. Yeah. So my pictures are a bit like a stage set for people, but they, they've just, like actors, but they've just moved off. They've gone off the side. But everything is there for them. So everything that they, that they would need... Is, is there so if there's a sign for them to read it will be in the picture or a street light or you know traffic lights or a doorway or a window so everything is there for them even the chewing gum on the floor but the people just aren't aren't there because they don't keep still and also it's a record of looking at something for a long time and they're just not going to keep still for me so so I was just going to ask you another thing about your composition. I saw in in a video you did, you actually laying pens down on the paper. Yeah, yeah, that's. The, uh, is that one that, of your hot tips? I should, it I shouldn't is. be given away. Oh no, no, I don't, I don't mind explaining that. Um, All right, okay. What what I the, the one of the first things I well, the first thing I always do now on my workshops is is before we before we even begin, we we talk about obviously we talk about the place and talk about um, what I'm going to include and what I'm not going to include and why I've chosen this subject because I try and <clears throat> get all the students to, to work from the same viewpoints as me so I don't encourage anybody to kind of go off or go around the corner they all have to sit as physically close to me as possible and we're all looking at the same view so once we've chosen the composition I, I will then walk into the scene and point out all the things that we're going to put onto this little piece of paper and then the next thing we then do after we've talked about it is I'll get all the pens out and I'll place them on the page and I'll only use maybe six or seven pens, but it will just show the basic shape, which could be a rectangle or a, a square or some vertical lines or whatever it might be. And then they've got a reference point to those lines and what they what they refer to in reality. So what you then do is you, you just almost visually practicing before you've made a mark on the page and it just helps people it like it like throws a safety net over the activity so before you started you you kind of giving people like a little bit of a a guide into the composition but the problem is you know you take the pens off and you forget where they go <laughs> <laughs> 
take a photo of it. Yeah, take a photograph. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, it really does work, and everybody who I've taught that to then uses it themselves, and they find it really useful. So <clears throat> it might be your starting point could be it could be a lamppost or a telegraph pole. So all you do is you place that pen where it needs to go, and it could be in the centre, or it could be off centre, or it could be tilted slightly. But then it just gives you that structure. So once you've placed a vertical pen on a piece of paper, you've then got space to the right, space to the left, space above and space below. So you've then got four areas of space, and those four areas of space are much smaller now than the A3 space that you started with. So you can then look what's to the left, what's to the right, what's above, what's below. And then if you then put more pens within those spaces, before you know it, you're then referring to a very small part of the page and then you can look into the scene and think what needs to go in that space. And that's essentially how I teach my workshops. We're just breaking up the spaces into smaller bits all the time. And it's all great until it comes to colour. <laughs> Actually, that's our next question. So we've got a question from Claire Dunphy in our group. And she'd like to know more about how you choose colours. Because she says she always tries to pick what matches the scene, what she's seeing. But your drawings, she says, are full of splashes of colour. <laughs> Okay, how long have you got? <laughs> as long as you like. <laughs> okay, because this is a big one. So if ever I'm doing a workshop, this is the thing that everyone gets um, anxious about, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for. Because you've got local colour, which, as Claire said before, is the real colour. So you're looking at a scene and you've got um, a building, which is kind of like brown so that's local color it's got a red door the door is red that's local color that's the observed color so what i try and do and this is kind of how i would teach it i might do it slightly differently from by myself but i would say right this this particular color i can see in front of me which could be um, a burnt sienna that's my local color that's my starting point so i know that that the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to paint that brick wall or that roof burnt sienna but i also before i do that before i've started with the burnt sienna i'll, I'll then say but there's also the emotional color as well and that's to do with how you feel about what you're doing and what you're looking at and that's then also based on things like experience and confidence and your energy levels and are you happy are you sad are you miserable are you feeling really good and confident so there's there's a whole raft of emotions that affect the emotional color so once that burnt sienna goes on i'll then probably bring in something else and it could be another color which is to do with the emotional side so it could be a different color because i'm feeling energized or happy or maybe a little bit kind of cautious or maybe throw a blue in or something but then, but then you've also got how those two colours start behaving on the page. Um, and it's really hard to explain this, but it's so easy to actually show people when I'm doing it. So that burnt sienna then needs something to play with. And it could be the blue. It could be an orange. It could be, uh, it could be, um, it could be a Prussian blue. It, it, could, it could be something really vibrant or it could be something really dark. And once those two start playing around, you then kind of responding to, to those two colours because they kind of then have a bit of a life of their own. Um, and it's then letting them play 
all around the page and then you start bringing in other colors and then after a while you then might go back to local color and you might think well actually i need to kind of do that door because it's blue and if i don't do it blue it's going to be a bit silly so it's a it's a bit of a kind of um a creative journey with with color um and it is very very hard to explain on a podcast but it's so easy to show people because they've got the, the colors to refer to when i was in italy doing um, a workshop we we did a um, one of the workshops was about color so what i did is i i it was based on this uh, place called matera which was this the most beautiful beautiful italian city it's actually <clears throat> european capital of culture at the moment and while we were there they were filming the james bond that comes out next year um but we did a, a painting just using two colors burnt sienna and ultramarine and that was a really useful exercise because it just showed the range of different colors you can get just out of those two and you can kind of mix them together and get a really kind of dark tone but then you can just use them on their own with lots and lots of water and you can um, just play with them really so so that was quite that was quite useful yeah that probably doesn't answer claire's question at all (laughs) i think it explains a lot and now we can look back on all your paintings and we know how you felt when you paint them I was a bit flat that day. <laughs> yeah, probably. But you know, I'm uh, um, happy that day. <laughs> emotion, and this goes back to what I said before about when you're drawing on location, you're kind of living and breathing the yeah. the space that you're in. So colour becomes very, very personal. And and mm. and and you, but you can't do that in a photograph because if it's a photograph, the photograph is dominating you. The photograph is screaming out at you saying paint me, paint me, paint me, and use these colours. Because if you don't, you're going to get it wrong. But when you're actually on location, you're not seeing a photograph, you're not seeing a flat surface, you're seeing space. And that space can be all sorts of different colours, depending on how you're feeling. Um, And that's why the colour is is so important in urban sketching for me. And it's so emotional as well. It's, It's very much about you know, reproducing your experience of being there. and But then also it, it becomes about making the picture as well, which I probably didn't mention before. So the picture itself will then start saying to you, I need a bit of this, I need a bit of that. Because you're ultimately trying to, you know, create a really visually interesting piece of art for other people to, to look at and hopefully to enjoy as well. You're trying to convey as well what you're seeing, your vision in your head, and nobody else can see that. I mean, it's like, you know, if you put five or six people in front of exactly the same thing and say, you know, paint that, they're all going to paint it differently. They all see things differently. So that's, I think, as well what makes it so personal, isn't it? And it's not a wonderful thing. It's not just so cool. I I love that. I I just, Mm. I love that. And that's what I say to people on the course as well when we... When we do the review at the end and we have a throwdown and we go through everybody's work and we just look at everyone's vision and even though they've all gone through the same steps used the same materials sat practically in the same spot as me sometimes they're actually sitting on my knees they're drawing and they've all come up with something completely different and i i just love that i think that's so cool i know you've mentioned before the tools you use though you like brush pens are there specific brands or anything that you like your favorite tools well there are i mean i to say brands can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, for the brush pens, I, I use I use the Tom Tombow brush pens, um, and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other ones out there. But 
I've just found, I found these in Australia a couple of years ago. Well, I didn't find them, I walked into an art shop and they were there. And I've, I've been using them ever since. Uh, and they're great because they're dual tipped. So you've got a brush bit on one side and a fine liner on the other. They're water soluble. So it means you can draw on top of the paints and it, it's really nice and compatible with the paints. Um, I only ever use the gray, gray tones. So I don't use the colored ones. So I use all the kind of mid grays and the light grays and the black. So I've got about eight, eight different ones. Um, so they're, they're brilliant. So I, I use them um, at the very first stage for sketching out. And then I use them again after the watercolor. So I use the, the, the fine liner tip at the beginning to sketch out the composition. But then I use the brush side after the watercolor a bit later on to kind of calm down the color and add depth and add tone and make it more realistic and three-dimensional and all that kind of stuff really yeah so I, I use them twice in the process but I use obviously for different completely different different reasons have you got favorite watercolors as well well um I, I have I'm on, I'm on really dodgy ground here because I <laughs> got a sponsor. Yeah, they're going to be from like three pound from the works or something. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got a couple of sponsors. Um, but my my you, favorite... don't, you don't have to say if you don't want. Oh no no no, I will because you can always edit this out. But I don't know. You you can decide. So I I use Windsor and Newton because Windsor and Newton are my favourites. I've always used Windsor and Newton. Um, but I'm also sponsored by a couple of other companies as well. So I occasionally use theirs. And I love theirs as well. Don't get me wrong. Theirs are absolutely fantastic. Um, so I'm, I'm happy using kind of whichever whichever paints I, I can get my hands on. Um, but as long as it's good quality. Uh, and also I have, when I, when I go out with me on location, I, I have about four different sets of paints. I don't always take them with me, but I'll always take at least two. And each set has got its own combination of colours in. Um, so I, I've just got lots of different variety because I like to keep it as, as interesting and as, as exciting as I can. So I like to do, I don't want to use the same colours all the time. So I, I sometimes open up the, the, the pot and say, oh, I've got you guys today. That's great. I didn't expect that. And that's nice. <laughs> so it kind of keeps it interesting for me. So I don't kind of know which, it's like a lucky dip. I don't know which, you know, which ones I'm going to take with me. Um, unless it's a workshop and it's a specific colour that we're going to be, you know, doing in the workshop, I have to be a bit more um, sensible and, and um, serious about it then. But sometimes I'll just take whatever whatever colours just happen to fall into my bag, and that's quite exciting for me as well. Yeah. So when is your next um, workshop in the UK then? Right. Well, I haven't really got many because most of them. Well, the, the, the thing is, I do do a lot in, in the UK, but they're all done for kind of closed groups. Mm. So I, I kind of do them pretty much every week. I mean, I've got one tomorrow. I've got one on Thursday and I've got well, I've got three coming up over the next three days, but they're all for closed groups. So the they tickets just get sold immediately because they get advertised locally. So the next one, which I think is open for anyone to um, try and get on, is, is going to be in Ireland. I'm doing, um, I think it's eight, eight or nine days in Ireland, oh, wow. and that's yeah. that's the end. That's the end of June. That's Beginning not one workshop, June. is it? No, nine no, days. It's, no, no, it's one it's workshop. Several, like, yeah, yeah. You, oh. get, you, you get one every day. You get a load of demos. You get at least two demos, and you get about seven yeah. workshops. Um, oh. And you get you get loads of other stuff as well. So, so that's the end of June, beginning of July. 
And if anyone's interested, the details will be on my, my website. So that's the only one in, in the UK because all the others are abroad. Um, it's a bit chilly at the moment as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you teach, obviously, um, in-person workshops, but then do you also teach online? Is there online sort of uh, workshops that you do? There's only, the only one that's up, that, that I've done quite a few online ones, but they haven't gone live yet. But there's one that has gone live, and that's for Sketchbook School. So we did some filming for them last year, and that's that, that went live um, the end of last year. Um, so if they go on the Sketchbook School website and probably just search me, that'll come up but that that was great that was that was done in liverpool and that's broken everything mm. down so everything i've described for you guys um today is is demonstrated on 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 the sketchbook school um class that that, that we did so it's it's me drawing on location doing a, a cityscape and then just breaking it down into the pen work the paint work the fine line of the detail lots of layers of looking and then there's also a few um sketchbook tours that I do where I flip through my sketchbooks and tell people you know lots and lots of really funny stories about things that um, happen to me on location because there's so many funny things that happen to you when you're on location it's just hilarious the people that you meet and the things that you know that you come across it's it's so funny I mean I've been attacked by old people before Attacked. Seem, yeah, seems to be my, one of my one of my things. Yeah, I was in Porto last year. Can I tell you this little story? Yeah, I was in, yeah, I was in Porto last year, and it was the it was the symposium, the international drawing symposium, and it was my first day there. So I was doing a few kind of warm up sketches, and I'm sitting outside this apartment, uh, just just leaning against the wall, drawing the cathedral, and after about an hour, all this bread started landing on my page, and I thought oh, it's a big. <laughs> big fat seagull up there you know who's got a, a gob full of bread he's just <laughs> dropping it but it just kept on landing so after after a couple of minutes I looked up and there was this really old and when I say old she must have been about 120 little <laughs> little tiny wrinkled Portuguese lady leaning across the balcony screaming at me in Portuguese swearing at me and chucking bread and so I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not great with Portuguese, so I haven't got a clue what she was saying, but I knew she was really annoyed with me. So there was a taxi driver standing opposite me, laughing his head off, and he, he, he translated, and he said, basically, she's sick to death of seeing artists, because it was the symposium, so the, the city was full of artists. She's sick to death of seeing artists, you know, hanging around her apartment, drawing, and she wants you all to just to go. So... Um, so I looked at her and, and like and I'm six foot three and like she's about five foot and I thought I could I could probably handle her. <laughs> but like that's not the point, is it really, when she's that old and she's a, re a resident. So I thought, okay, I'll just I'll just I'll pack up and I'll just go. So I packed everything up, but as I'm packing up, she's still screaming at me, chucking bread at me. So I packed everything away, shoved everything in the bag, and, and I went off for a bite, a bite to eat. And then <clears throat> Was it bread? <laughs> yeah. so it got to about eight o'clock at night and i was desperate you know to go back to finish my drawing off and then i went back but i was really frightened because i just didn't want to see her you know i just i was i was like in that kind of like frame of mind where all i wanted to do was make art i didn't want a confrontation i didn't want to get into trouble i didn't want to upset this old dear so when i got back i crept around the corner and looked up at her apartment and thankfully all the lights were, were off so i was hoping she'd gone to bed so i sat back down and i did not make a sound that was the quietest drawing i'd ever done but as i'm drawing i'm actually crapping myself thinking at any moment now i'm gonna get some bread landing on this page <laughs> 
<laughs> so whenever I see this picture, I always think of that story. And that's what's oh, brilliant funny. about doing this stuff outside because you just get to meet people, see things, experience things. It's just it's just great. Wasn't that difficult though? Because if you go, if you went back like quite a long time later, yeah. then presumably the lights completely changed. How do you deal with that? Well, I don't really draw lights. I just draw shape and pattern. I mean, light isn't a big thing for me anyway. So I, you don't worry about where the shadows were and they no, are now, and you just sort of... no. I don't really put the shadow. I only put the shadows in if they're going to help the picture. But I'm not. I mean, mm. some artists are fabulous. They're some brilliant. You're not artists. a slave to I'm it. I'm not. No, yeah. I just I kind of it's shape for me. Shape shape is always my starting point. Shape is the yeah. thing that I look for, and then after shape, it's pattern, and then after pattern, it's probably colour. So yeah, mm. it's it's always shape. It's just looking for really interesting shapes that are going to kind of express what I want to what I want to say. So the light. So you could have used, you could have used some of that bread <clears throat> to um, include some texture into your painting. To... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are your plans for the future? <clears throat> well. Um, I mean, the next, I suppose the next 18 months are pretty booked up with trips um, abroad doing workshops and, and kind of sketching holidays because um, I'm with quite a few uh, travel companies and, and they've invited me to go to all these like amazing places. Um, so I'm off to New Orleans next month as well and then we've got a load of trips next 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 year. Um, but my... My real plan or my real ambition is, I suppose, it's to, to create the best the best drawings I can. Um, I mean, I love what I do and I'm really, you know, really determined to, to give it the best shot I can at, at creating the best sort of images that I'm, I'm capable of doing. Um, and I just, I just want to, I want to make them even better. I want to make them even more, more powerful, stronger. And I'm always looking for different shapes i've got this i've got this amazing idea that um i've not really shared with many people but i'll, I'll tell you guys i want to do and are we allowed to are we allowed to air it yeah yeah you can you can yeah because okay oh, yeah because i'm gonna i'm gonna put this idea out to a few other people and see see where it comes uh -huh. but i want to do an urban sketching tour along route 66 in america Oh, fantastic. Because no one's ever done that before. So the idea would be, it would probably be about a week. We wouldn't go, obviously, all the way from Chicago to LA because that would just involve too much travelling. But we'd probably just stick to maybe something like New Mexico and Arizona or Missouri or, you know, somewhere like that, so Texas maybe, and maybe spend about a week. And then we just travel a little bit and we just go along all of these small little towns that just evolved over the years. And a lot of them are kind of like quite abandoned and desolate now and basically just do urban sketches based on all the street furniture all the signage all the the abandoned you know cars outside all the the motel signs because some of the motel signs are so wacky they're just incredible and you know all the kind of tumbleweed in the background and you know the yeah. american iconic american cars and that would just be so brilliant to do it, it would just be such good fun so that's that's one of my one of my things on my bucket list. And my other the other thing I really want to do as well is <clears throat> I want to go to Jerusalem um, because I'm really interested in in a lot of the um, history and the imagery that you would find there. So that I think there's a lot of really interesting things you could do with a city like Jerusalem. Um, 
obviously you've got all the different religions and how they're represented. Um, and I think that that would be a really interesting place to go to. I'm going to New York next year and I've got loads of kind of ideas about what I want to do in New York. I'm going to be running some workshops in, in New York itself, in Manhattan. And then I've got like a week's workshop upstate um, where I'm going to do some more stuff as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, because all these places that I've mentioned, they're just going to enable me as an artist to, to move forward. Um, you know, not, not so much in terms of the way I, I put the images together, but it's more about what I can say, the storytelling that I can, I can bring out. You know, it's, it's kind of all picking the layers, so you're going deeper and deeper and deeper into the subject to say something about the fabric of the place that you're, you're representing. You know, so if, 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 you, if you do a, a, a sketch, um, you're not just recording it objectively, you're actually digging an awful lot deeper into it. So, for example, going back to Route 66, you know, you can say an awful lot about those places and about how they've evolved over the years and, and the situation they find themselves in now. And the signage, I think signage is just fascinating how things are advertised. You know, how that, the, the lettering, the abstract nature of, of letters are then incorporated into a scene with, with space and depth and foreground and background. I just, I find that ambiguity really interesting. Yeah. So. Have you ever been to Bath? Yeah, I have. I got lost. I, I was driving through oh. and I got lost there once. Yeah. But I've never kind of spent much I've... time there. No. Oh, no. I, I've just come back from there last weekend and um, it was just unbelievable for buildings and the roman baths are so i mean you would love it there <laughs> i know that it's not route 66 but it's <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> it's it's the, probably the most stunning place i think i've been in in this country yeah really beautiful yeah. it's definitely worth a look if you you know for people that love um sketching buildings yeah. um yeah fantastic place anyway so where can people find out more about you um, well, obviously I post uh, pretty much everything I do goes on Instagram. Um, so they can find out all the stuff that I'm up to on Instagram. On my website, there's a section which has got um, trips, holidays, workshops. So if they click on that tab, it's on the homepage. It drops down and they've got all the kind of trips. But the thing about the trips is they're all kind of like booked up really. They get booked up really quickly. Um, Facebook's always quite good. I always post a lot of stuff on Facebook and any kind of adverts that are coming up for things, for trips, I post on, on, on Facebook. Um, but probably probably my website is, is the best. And also there's loads of stuff on YouTube now. There's loads of little you know snippets of, of me doing stuff on, on YouTube and kind of advertising things as well. So there's an awful lot of things out there. And it's, I don't think I'm, I'm that hard to find, really. You know. So your website, no. it's um, ianfennelly.co.uk, isn't it? That's it, yeah. We'll put the link on the show notes anyway. But it's been an absolutely joy to speak to you, oh, Ian. It really has. Thank, thank you. you so really much. It really has been lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully you can come back another day and um, tell us when you get back from Rook 66. That, that, would be, that would be lovely. <laughs> that would be so nice. And, and thank you for having me on as well. It's been great. It's, it's been really nice it's being been able a to talk about all my stuff as well. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been lovely. All right, well, we'll let you get back to your, your evening and hopefully we'll speak to you again. Okay, thanks, girls. Thanks, Sandra. Thanks, Tara. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did... Perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon.
is this is this going is this going live or is no. it just being? Re- oh, okay, so we can com- <laughs> we can completely <laughs> things up and and talk yes. absolute, <laughs> and you can just yeah. edit it all out. And you can, even, you can even say, <laughs> and I can edit out, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, I've said it now. <laughs>